The Denver Broncos have wrapped up their head coaching interview with Sean Payton, and Payton has seemingly suggested in national media narratives what the asking price from the New Orleans Saints would be. Is it worth it for the Broncos to do just that? On top of that, we continue our NFL free agency preview with unrestricted free agents at defensive back and tight end for the Denver Broncos. You get that from the South Stands to the end zone on today's episode, Locked On Broncos. You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, take the money and run. I mean, I think, Sarah, this whole conversation with the Broncos head coaching search continues on. And the only thing I can think of when thinking about the Walton Penner family ownership group, money, money, money. And if I were a head coaching candidate, which I am not for any NFL team, I would take the money and run with everything that's been rumored about what the Broncos or what other teams would be willing to pay for a guy like Sean Payton. Will the Broncos do that? We'll see. Welcome to a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Sarah Bettinger. He's the site expert, predominantlyorange.com. We all have the written content on everything Denver Broncos related alongside the podcast stuff that you see here. Check out those sites, respectively. The Broncos wrapped up their interview on Tuesday with Sean Payton in Los Angeles, led by George Payton, Greg Penner, Condoleezza Rice. They manned the ship there to uh, talk with Sean Payton. And from all accounts, the interview went well. I think one thing that is out there, a lot of people on Twitter are like, the Broncos need to offer Sean Payton right away. They can't necessarily make an offer to Sean Payton. They have to contact the Saints. They can't make any kind of discussion or deal or contract with Sean Payton uh, at this point in time. Everything has to to go through the Saints and then they would be able to work on that if a trade was agreed upon at that point in time. So something to consider. But I mean, Sarah, Peyton was making the national media rounds on Monday prior to him interviewing with the Houston Texans, which I think was a surprise to all of us, that being the first interview. But he went on the Colin Coward show. He had a lot of very interesting things to say. He did. It's cool to see, you know, kind of the the veil kind of being lifted or, you know, the curtains being pulled back on some of this process, right. To be able to hear him talk about that and be very transparent. I also, you know, Cody, you know me, one of these days I'm going to pop up on this show wearing an actual tinfoil hat. I I love the stuff, you know, where (laughs) Colin Cowherd's like, you know, the Broncos don't have a pick from the Russell Wilson trade. And then Sean Payton corrects him saying, no, they actually do have a first round pick. It just, those little things kind of make you wonder, you know, you put on the tinfoil hat and you're like, what is, I mean, he had he didn't need to correct Colin Cowherd there, but he did. Uh, I find that interesting. I also find it very interesting that in that interview, he was talking about how, yeah, he's got meetings later in the week with Texans ownership and uh, Panthers, I believe it is, that he said on there. And then we find out that the Texans swoop in and, and get a digital interview with him before he's able to meet in person with the Broncos. Very interesting turn of events here, Cody. Remember back to January one. Uh, Sunday morning, we're all getting ready for, uh, you know, whatever Broncos game that was. And the reports from Adam Schefter came out and Adam Schefter's like, you know, uh, Sean Payton is kind of expected to be the front runner in this process for the Denver Broncos. And, And so you have all these breadcrumbs out there already about 
Oh, Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh could command $20, $25 million. Sean Payton is the presumed front runner. Remember, Bet Online's initial betting line for the Broncos head coach was Sean Payton. He was the initial favorite from Bet Online. It's very interesting to me that as time has gone along, it's been, you know, two and a half weeks or so since those reports all came out. Since then, I don't think anything has happened to lead us to believe anything but these two coming together, meaning Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. They have the first in-person interview with them, the first actual interview. Apparently, they're good with the compensation. We don't know exactly what that's going to be in terms of the draft pick, but as Sean Payton said, it's a first-round pick, potentially more. Cody, I'm I I just feel like maybe am I am I missing anything here? The puzzle pieces are all right there. I feel like I'm putting the right puzzle pieces in the right places. To me, it feels like and seems like things are really trending heavily towards Sean Payton becoming the next Broncos head coach. But maybe if maybe I've got to pull off the orange glasses for a second. Even if I do that, those things all still add up. Well, and ironically, Jim Harbaugh bowed out of the head coaching competition for any NFL team by returning to Michigan on Monday as well. So the timing of all that is very interesting. We talked about it was interesting that, you know, they had a digital interview over Zoom with Broncos ownership with Jim Harbaugh. Peyton right now, I mean, I I have a hard time believing that anybody other than Peyton is the favorite. I know a lot of people said Dan Quinn is the favorite, but they haven't even spoken in person to Dan Quinn. And look, I love Benjamin Albright. Benjamin Albright's a good friend of mine. Uh, but he even said, like he even tweeted out on Monday Night Football when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just got wham blasted by the Dallas Cowboys, said, imagine not wanting this guy as your head coach. I don't think it's that necessarily. Like, oh, Dan Quinn's defense did a really good job against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. But that Tampa Bay team is hot garbage in a sense from what their offense was able to do. I mean, they're literally right when the game before the game is even over, they had local beat reports putting out reports that they were going to fire Byron Leftwich anyways at this point in time. So it's like, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense wasn't great. Brady obviously wasn't great at this point in time. How much can we invest into that, you know, for Dan Quinn? I don't think that you're hiring a guy like Dan Quinn anyways to run your defense. That just doesn't make sense from the standpoint of where Denver has been. They've made the mistake of hiring guys to be their head coach and play caller. And it's kind of going away from what the status quo is now seemingly going to, where you have guys like Matt LaFleur of the Green Bay Packers, who is a fantastic offensive mind, by the way. All of a sudden, he's thinking about giving up play calling just so he could be the guy leading the team. This is the way, I think, going forward in the NFL. You have the rare anomalies of the, you know, the Andy Reeds inside the division. But... I think when you look at the tea leaves, you look at the breadcrumbs, as you like to say. I like that analogy, by the way. Follow the breadcrumbs there. I think that everything is pointing towards Sean Payton being the favorite. Now, the question ultimately is going to be, will Sean Payton want to come coach Denver Broncos? I think it was interesting that Washington Post reporter Mark Mask, if I'm not mistaken, if I pronounce his name correctly, uh, said that Payton has told people around him he would like work. He would like to work with Russell Wilson. It would be an issue for him, and that he's actually preferring Denver. So now we just play the waiting game because you still have interviews coming up. You know, with the Miko Ryan's Denver also interviewed on Tuesday Raheem Morris, but then you have Dan Quinn as well, kind of wrapping up. The final two interviews left for the remainder of the week. And then I imagine next week, Sarah, we'll find out who the head coach is. And 
it very well could be Sean Payton. Broncos country, we are eager for your thoughts down below in the comment section on YouTube or on Twitter. If you're listening on your favorite audio podcasting platform, you can tweet us at Cody Work NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Lockdown Broncos. One thing we're going to dive into on today's episode of the show, we can continue to look at free agency. It begins on March 15th, the new league year. We take a look at all these positions the Broncos currently have unrestricted free agency. We take a look at tight ends coming up on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. But this episode of the show is brought to you by our friends at Bilt Bar. And if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and all the calories, then you have to try a Bilt Bar today. The thing I love the most about Bilt Bar is the bars are covered in 100% milk chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. You can put them in the microwave, which is Sarah's favorite thing, or you could put them in the fridge for a little bit of a crunchier bite going forward. It is a healthy protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bilt does it, but these bars, like I said, taste exactly like a candy bar, and they're jam-packed with 100% milk chocolate. And, keyword, they are healthy for you. Each bar contains 17 grams of protein, and you can get your hands on a box of Bilt Bar today by going to your local Sam's Club or your local Walmart to get a box. You can also order on Bilt.com as well. But if you're close to a Sam's Club, run and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. As NFL free agency approaches, the Denver Broncos have several tight ends who are set to become unrestricted free agents on March 15th. Who should the Broncos look at bringing back, if anybody? Thank you so much once again, Broncos country, for tuning in and making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. Sarah Bettinger, myself, we appreciate you so much for either listening on your favorite audio podcasting platform or whether you're watching us on YouTube. Sarah, let's dive into this conversation. Obviously, we're taking a look at free agents, unrestricted. We'll get into the restricted free agents. We'll get to the exclusive rights free agents in later episodes of the show here. Continuing on with unrestricted free agents, we're looking at the tight end position today. And Denver, they have three guys who are set to become unrestricted while also having two tight ends who are on contract essentially in 2023 a lot to break down my friend let's start off with kind of like a uh, can we call him an unsung hero in a sense because I mean you don't really hear his name called that often he does a lot of the dirty work Eric Tomlinson as uh, I believe it was former Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett called him the Viking he just comes in (laughs) you know with his uh, hard hat lunch pail and he just gets to work and you know he quietly I think had a pretty decent year probably a better year in the passing game than most people anticipated he would have what are your thoughts on Eric Tomlinson and whether or not the Broncos should bring him back? Yeah, I liked Eric Tomlinson and what he brought to the table. I liked the idea, right, of kind of just, okay, this guy is going to be your blocking guy, right? He's going to be the blocking specialist out there. Well, we ended up actually getting quite a bit more impact from him in terms of his ability as a receiver throughout the course of the season. And it was, you know, sparse. It wasn't like every single week he's making these big plays, but he did catch nine passes, a pair of touchdowns. Cody, he came, remember, inches away from having three touchdowns on the season. It could have changed the entire course of the season against the Seattle Seahawks. Just, a, just you know, a fingernails with their way from the sideline in week one. But I felt like Eric Tomlinson did a good job. It's going to be very interesting to see because as we know, you know, before a head coach comes in, we have no idea what's their 
offensive philosophy going to be like? Do these unrestricted free agents fit that philosophy? I think specifically on offense, because we we assume there's at least a decent chance Ejiro Evero could be back as defensive coordinator. So we can kind of talk about things, you know, thinking in terms of, well, Ejiro could be back. So that, may, that makes sense for these guys. Offensively, does Eric Tomlinson fit what a new coach is going to want to do? Is it going to be their philosophy to, like you mentioned, you've got Alberto Kuebunam and Greg Dulcich under contract next year. So do these guys really fit in? And I think with a guy like Eric Tomlinson, a veteran whose specialty is blocking, who has always been kind of known for that, who's stuck around the league, being able to do that at a high level, you kind of get the idea that, especially with what he showed as a receiver on top of his blocking abilities, maybe there is a chance that he comes back next year. And I think it's important to preface this, right? Like all these unrestricted free agents we're talking about, we'll revisit this here once again, because once the the new head coach is officially hired in place, we will take a look at that coach wherever they have been. And we'll take a look at how many tight ends, for example, did they carry on the roster when he was the head coach of wherever he was at, whoever that may be. Uh, I think that's going to be very important to analyze as well. And these personnel decisions as well, I imagine George Payton will make in collaboration with whoever the next head coach is. So something to keep an eye on. But also, I do think that maybe the snaps on offense proportionate to snaps on special teams is something that will also be of value as well. And you look at Tomlinson, he played 36% of the team's offensive snaps in 2022. He played 13% of the snaps on special teams. So not really a special teams guy from the sense. I believe he was on PAT, which, as we all know, the Broncos weren't uh, necessarily kicking a lot of PATs in 2022. So maybe it equates to maybe why. But that leads us to another guy, another Eric. Eric. Eric Sauber, as we all call him, Sabi, you know, for him, I felt like had a very underrated role as kind of that hybrid do it all, like the guy who is a pretty good blocker in the run blocking department, but also a guy I think that can offer value in the pass catching game as well, short to intermediate stuff, as we saw. I mean, he pretty much saved the Broncos from losing to the Houston Texans in week two with the touchdown grab that he had. Eric Sauber, in my opinion, a guy to keep an eye on as well, played 35% of the team's offensive snaps, but a staggering 60. 7% of their special team snaps overall in 2022. And he's a veteran. So in my opinion, I feel like you have to ask that question. You know, we already know that Dulcich, Albert O are already on the roster. Does a guy like Eric Sobert have value to whoever the next head coach may be? That's an interesting question to ponder here. Yeah, and he's quality depth, right? That's what you need at, at any position, right, is quality depth. And I think Eric Saubert has proven that he can be that. And not just quality depth, but he can contribute to your special team. So that's a guy that I would say, Cody, absolutely, yes, bring back. He's been available for the Broncos the last couple of years. He's made some intriguing plays in the passing game. He's made some game-changing plays in the passing game. You mentioned the Houston one. Well, remember two years ago in 2021, he had his you know first NFL touchdown against the Chargers in that win against them. So I think that he's definitely proven to me. He deserves to come back. I think he's kind of coach proof in a way. Can we say that about Eric Sauber? I'm not yeah. saying that he's going to come in. Remember, we had some tight end one talks about him last year at <laughs> yeah. training camp because, I mean, first of all, he was available, as I said, but also he was making a ton of plays. I think he has good chemistry, too, with Russell Wilson, yeah. which can't be overstated in this equation. So I think Sobert is a guy that the team is going to try to bring back. He's a good blocker, too. I mean, he's just a good all-around player. But, I mean, 
you have some guys who are masters of certain trades like Eric Tomlinson with blocking. You have some guys who are jacks of all trades, which I think describes perfectly Andrew Beck, right? He's not necessarily a master of one specific thing. I wouldn't say he's a Kyle Juszczyk type of fullback out there, but he can be a good lead blocker at times. I wouldn't say he's, you know, necessarily the best move tight end in the game, but we saw his big time catch against Seattle where he made a big play as a receiver. I don't know where I stand with Andrew Beck, Cody, because he is a core special teams guy for the Broncos. Where do you think he fits in potentially as we look at this new staff, you know, uh, his contributions thus far? He's been with the team since 2019, so he's been around yeah. for a long time at this point. But what do you view in terms of his fit with the locker room, his fit in terms of a new coaching staff coming in? Where does he stand? Well, you know, I think I, I think we were all surprised in a sense. Like I think you and I did an episode episode in the offseason said, hey, don't be surprised if we see Andrew Beck used in the passing game a little bit more. And, you know, I completely forgot about that. And then we got surprised that week one game against the Seahawks where he had, I think it was a two catches for 52 yards. And, you know, the thing with Beck, I truly believe like while he can be a tight end, I believe that whoever the next head coach is, we'll have to see, do they have a history of using a fullback? Will they bring a fullback into the mix here? I think Andrew Beck is a pretty damn good fullback and here's the points I want to make like Beck this season not only okay can he provide you value on offense in the run blocking department but also he played 68% of the team's special team snappies he was you know one of Dwayne Stukes favorite guys was Beck Singleton Sobert these three guys obviously Stukes was not is no longer around was was canned by Jerry Rosberg with just two games remaining but I think that you can't overlook the value Beck has had with this team and it's an underrated role right it's not necessarily like the flashy it's not the sexy pick that everybody is looking for, But for Beck, he's the guy who does the dirty work. And I will say, like, when he was out with an injury, I know he had a brief stand on injured reserve with a hamstring injury. When he came back and the Broncos actually started using him, I think he was specifically in that Kansas City game on the road at Arrowhead. They used him on this cross motion to kick out guys. He was effective doing that. Being a guy who's creating opportunities on the outside for Latavius Murray, for Chase Edmonds, whoever's in at running back, I like that. And the Broncos need to be able to have that dynamic. And I think that when Beck was healthy as well when Javante was healthy. We were seeing Beck create those opportunities in the run game. I do think he possesses value. I mean, he's not going to break the bank for you. Look, Kyle Juszczyk is a unicorn in every facet of how you imagine a fullback being used in the NFL. Not many teams are using fullbacks like that. And Andrew Beck doesn't have to be that. I think for the Broncos, it's super cost-friendly to bring a guy like him back. I'm on board with bringing Beck back here in 2023. And Sarah, I know we're going to get closer to it once free agency comes around. I know we're going to play the game once the new head coach is in place. Swipe left, swipe right. Who we bringing back? Who we not bringing back in 2023? That's something to look forward to in a future episode. Lockdown Broncos. But our free agency conversation continues as we take a look at defensive backs who are unrestricted free agents beginning on March 15th. You get that on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. But this episode of the show is brought to you by our friends, BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball, the World Cup. I mean, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
When the new league year approaches on March 15th, the Denver Broncos will have two unrestricted free agents at the defensive back position, meaning cornerbacks and safeties. One of them, including a key veteran who's had a very pivotal role for the Broncos since he came on in 2019. Thank you so much, Broncos country. Once again, making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day. We have you covered every step of the way, every day, all year long, because for the true fan, there is never an offseason. Kareem Jackson, Sarah, uh, this is, I think, a, a subject, especially with free agency. We've had this discussion the last two years. Should the Broncos look at bringing back Kareem Jackson? And to be honest with you, I think there are a lot of points that say, yeah, you probably should look at bringing a guy like him back. But there are also other players on the roster that you have to look at, and specifically for a guy like George Payton, who has drafted a couple of safeties in the fifth round in the last couple of drafts. You have to take a look. Are the Broncos looking to move forward with their contingency? plan right next to Justin Simmons and is that a guy that's not named Kareem Jackson right and that is Caden Stearns right we know that he has been making some plays remember early on in Justin Simmons career he was part of the no fly zone he was kind of a you know a fly on the wall if you will of the no fly zone he was a backup to the starters Darian Stewart and TJ Ward when he came into the league but he still had multiple interceptions as a backup or role player for that defense and we saw him increase his role obviously very quickly for the Broncos. Caden Stern's kind of on a similar trajectory, isn't he? He has four interceptions in barely what feels like just a handful of games played as a professional or at least defensively. Man, he's an impressive athlete. He makes some impressive plays on the ball. Remember the Colts game. I, I feel bad that, man, we don't get to look back on that game fondly because he played so great in that game. That's on the highlight reel for him. Obviously, the Jets game, his rookie season. The, the Ravens game, his rookie Cowboys season. Game. Cowboys game where he picked off Prescott. I mean, man, he has made some impressive plays early on in his career. I think everybody expected last year he was going to take that leap forward, Cody, and he kind of did early on. He was playing, I believe, it's over 80% of the defensive snaps. So I think he was on trajectory to take over as the starter as the season went along. It ended up being Kareem Jackson played all 17 games, 100% of the snaps, career high in tackles. You just felt and and this is not to diminish what Kareem did in any way. Playing all 17 games in the NFL, playing 100% of the snaps, career high in tackles, those are big-time things. It's very impressive. And he's a, a fantastic veteran. It did just feel to me a little bit quiet in terms of those numbers adding up over time. It felt like his impact was a bit more quiet than it has been in other recent years, especially you know his first year with the Broncos where he had the touchdown against Houston, all these different things that he was able to bring to the table. I don't necessarily judge safeties based strictly on whether or not they're creating or causing turnovers. I do think that was an area you know where Caden Stearns, he brings that to the table. Kareem Jackson, no forced fumbles, no interceptions, only two passes defensed last year, but his impact is different. So I'm intrigued to know, do the Broncos, do they bring him back? Is he, is he so valuable to the locker room? You know, does defensive staff matter? Obviously, he's made a very successful transition to the safety position after people forget, man, this guy was a corner when he was with the Houston Texans. He played yeah. nickel at times for them as well. It wasn't like a no-brainer immediately when he came to Denver that he was going to be great at safety. So uh, nobody really knew that. And he has been very, very good at that position. 
Is his chemistry with Justin Simmons that important? I'm intrigued to know your perspective on this. You're a former defensive back, former safety, obviously. You know the defensive backfield very well. Is his impact on the game more than what's meeting the eye for me in terms of looking for those turnover plays? I still think that there's value for Kareem in Denver. I I do. But the question that I have is as a starter, I I don't necessarily believe that's going to be the case because you do have a guy in Caden Stearns. And look, I want to make the point. Justin Simmons and Caden Stearns are the only two Broncos in 2022 to have an interception, uh, a multi-interception game last year. Obviously, the two against the Colts. He obviously had a couple pass breakups, some big hits. And then you also have Justin Simmons, who had the two interception performance against the Ravens, two interception performance against the Arizona. Arizona Cardinals. I think you have to see uh, really where Caden Stearns is at. I think you have to give him a look next to Justin Simmons. Now, that's not saying that Kareem Jackson is going to be demoted. I think you can move a guy like Kareem Jackson into the dime specifically, allow him to play up in the box where we know he is a valuable tackler for Denver, and you don't necessarily have to put him in a lot of rough positions coverage-wise because I will say some teams attack the Broncos with those tight splits with the corner route. We saw Kareem give up a couple of touchdowns this year on that. I still think there's value, especially from a leadership standpoint, but you also have to have to, to ask the question. I think this is where George Payton's at. At what point do you say, all right, you know what, it's been great. I mean, Kareem's contributions as a Bronco have been fantastic. But at some point, you know, do you have to move on from that to allow some of your younger players more room to breathe? I think that's a huge question uh, for Denver going forward. Uh, I think that you have to have a plan, right? Because Caden Stearns, he had hip surgery. You know, he had a hip injury that was bothering him all throughout training camp. He got an injection that held him out a couple of weeks. He came back and it just was too much to play with. And the fact that he's playing as well as he was with a really bad hip, I think speaks volumes. He did have surgery. We'll see what his timeline is like. I think you also have to make that decision based on is Caden Stearns going to be ready for training camp? Is he going to be ready for the start of the regular season? A million different questions. As we all know, hips can be very, very tricky due to scar tissue. So I I don't know where I'm at yet. I imagine once the new head coach is in place, I'll definitely uh, have a little bit more when we play our game, a swipe left or swipe right for the Broncos. Now, another one to round out today's episode of the show, Sarah cornerback depth for the Broncos as we know it it was not very good this season however Denver I think fortunately wasn't in a position where they had to really dig to the back of their depth the way that we used to see remember the Parnell Motley game way back in the day alongside Michael Ojemudia Denver wasn't in dire straits with cornerback depth but obviously they need better depth at cornerback right you have Patrick Sertan who's your solidified starter Damari Mathis rose up and exceeded expectations and played beyond his fourth round drafts status. Ronald Darby obviously suffered the season-ending ACL. He's still under contract. We'll be back with the team next year. The team can make a decision if they wanted to move on from him, but I don't know if that's necessarily going to be a case due to an injury settlement or, or guaranteed injury money, something along those lines. But for me, one thing I found a desperate need is behind your top three cornerbacks, you need depth there. And Darius Phillips was brought in initially because Michael Ojemudia got hurt in the preseason. We didn't see much from him. He had a couple of snaps against the Las Vegas Raiders when Denver played them at home. They lost in overtime, obviously. He had a couple of snaps there defensively. Only played 1% of the defensive snaps in 2022. Had some injuries that derailed him as well to put him on IR. But he did play 49% of the special team snaps, but wasn't necessarily, in my opinion, observing it, wasn't getting the job done in comparison to guys like P.J. Locke, especially at the gunner position. Uh, so for me, it's like... I. I don't necessarily see the Broncos bringing Darius Phillips back in 2022. What are you, I'm 2023. What are your thoughts on this? 
I agree with you on that, Cody. I do. I think that Darius Phillips was kind of an exciting name that came up when the Broncos suffered the injuries that they did at corner. And you kind of thought, well, he's got, you know, one season in his career. He had four interceptions, right? He's got some experience as a return specialist. So maybe he could help you there in a pinch. But we just didn't really get to see kind of any of that unfold this year for the Broncos. Didn't get to see. And I think fortunately so, right? We didn't need to see him out there in a full-time role at the cornerback position, as you mentioned. We've had games in the past like the Parnell Motleys, and did he start that game with Isang Bassey? You know, I mean, the, not no disrespect to those guys. They made it to the NFL, but at the same time, when you're rolling out there with Pat Sertan and at least, you know, for the majority of the season, either Ronald Darby or Damari Mathis on the outside, and then Kwan Williams being able to play the majority of the games in the nickel, I think that was super beneficial for the Broncos secondary overall. Now, you do need to build up your cornerback depth, I think, a little bit, but I would say you go in different direction than Darius Phillips. I would even say, I mean, you're saying Bassey did some good things down the stretch there this season. You, you bring him back over... Darius Phillips, if you yeah. if he's restricted or whatever he is, we'll talk about him another episode. But I like what the Broncos have at corner. I think they have good players under contract, including Ronald Darby. We'll see what happens with him. But man, it, it's something where Darius Phillips kind of just you get an opportunity when a r- injuries arise for a team, and you go in and you, you get the opportunity to play special teams. It's not exactly maybe what you envisioned. So I don't think we saw enough from him to really say, yeah, let's bring him back in 2023. So I'm with you. I would say let's move along there and kind of maybe bring in some some new players, some different different guys, use the draft, you know, those type of things to reload at the position. And we'll see what the Broncos decide to do. And ultimately, Broncos country, we always want to know what your thoughts are on the subject matter as it pertains to the Broncos unrestricted free agent tight ends, fullbacks. We consider Tomlinson, Sauber, Andrew Beck. Who would you like to see back in 2023? And for defensive back, would you welcome Kareem Jackson back this year? And if so, what role would you anticipate him being in? If you're listening on your favorite audio podcasting platform, tweet us on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Lockdown Broncos. Or if you're watching on YouTube, drop it in the comment section down below and interact with other members of Broncos country. But that'll wrap up today's episode of the show. The Broncos head coaching search continues after them interviewing Sean Payton on Tuesday. What's next with just several candidates left to interview and how close will the Broncos be on making a hire? We continue that. Plus, we continue our free agency look on tomorrow's episode. Locked on Broncos.